We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, folks? This is Rob from Striking Gold. Just wanted to talk to you guys real quick about our new Blue Wire podcast, On the Hook. Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They're going to chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to becoming a boxing champ, sports, music, culture, family life, being a husband, and a girl dad. It's all in there. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English are out on Tuesdays, and episodes in Spanish are out on Wednesdays. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. So what's up, everybody? Like I said earlier, this is Rob from Striking Gold. Welcome to another episode. How's everybody doing? Unfortunately, Crocker will not be joining me tonight. 
I tried to put off this next episode as long as I could just to make sure he got in, but he's still traveling back from Las Vegas today. Um, and he even, he was even down, he was down to pod, but he, you could tell that he was just, he was just taking one for the team and he was, it would have been at like midnight his time. He likes to wake up early and get his exercise on. Um, I wasn't going to, I basically said, no, dude, get some sleep. You've been traveling all day. We'll get back at it tomorrow when we preview the 49ers game against the Rams. So I'm going to handle the mailbag on my own this week um, just so Crocker can have that little bit of extra sleep time or time with his family since he's been away. So um, I know a little disappointing, but at the same time, our boy deserved it. So Croc's going to be out there traveling slash getting some rest, and uh, I'll handle it right now, and then he'll be back on here tomorrow when we uh, when we preview the Rams. But... Today's mailbag day. I mean, I already said that, but today's mailbag day. So we got plenty of questions coming in from you guys. On that note, you guys have been doing a great job. If you don't already have a Twitter account, it's 2020. Make one. Your first two follows should be at Rob underscore louder, L-O-W-D-E-R, and at Eric underscore Crocker. And then be a part of our mailbag. Ask us when we when we tweet out on Wednesday mornings. We need some questions for the mailbag. Be a part of that action. Jump in there. There's got to be something on your mind, especially with the state of the 49ers right now. We've all got thoughts. We've all got ideas. We've all got criticisms. So be a part of that action. Okay. Be on. Always be on the lookout for these when Croc and I put out our, our call for questions on Wednesdays because it ain't going to happen without your questions. So make sure uh, make sure you're a part of that. Um, just to run through kind of your your most recent onset of 49ers news, um, the the practice report as of today, Akella Witherspoon, who is kind of in the middle of an interesting kind of story slash criticism of of Kyle Shanahan, Robert Sala, and the 49ers right now. Um, obviously, against the Dolphins, the 49ers trotted out Brian Allen fresh off the practice squad, and he proceeded to get torched worse than any corner I've ever seen get torched in an NFL game. Um, which was, it was sad to watch. It was sad to watch. So once that kind of happened to the 49ers, what's done was done. It was better. It was too late. But Akella Witherspoon kind of dressed that game under the pretense of being an emergency corner. He said his hamstring felt tight. He didn't feel like he was ready to go. He dressed for that game. And after what happened to Brian Allen, he stepped in. Um, I'm not sure how well he did. I think he had a couple of penalties. You know, I, I'm, I'm not. I, I'd have to go back and look, see how well he did. Usually, that's Crocker's department, but he's not here. But he's not on the injury report anymore, so he's healthy. He's back at practice, which gives the gives the 49ers a more competent option opposite Jason Verrett, who, in a weird twist of fate, somebody who's struggled mightily with injuries throughout his career, and that's an understatement, is kind of holding it down for the 49ers on the other side of the field. And he has, per Crocker's analysis, had a pretty outstanding stretch of three games. I think he's only allowed something absurd, like four catches for 29 yards. Now, yes, obviously, if you have somebody like Brian Allen on the other side, the defense doesn't have any reason to throw to Jason Brett. But you can't knock a guy for for doing a good job. So Keller Witherspoon should give the 49ers another competent option because, related – Kyle Shanahan had initially said that Richard Sherman was kind of expected to come back this week. Well, he had a little bit of a setback. I don't know how significant that is, but now the 49ers do not expect to get their veteran cornerback back from injured reserve 
anytime soon. No, I, I say anytime soon. It probably won't be long. It could be next week. It's just that Kyle seemed kind of like down about it. I mean, you know what I mean? Like he didn't say it was significant, but maybe Richard Sherman will come back next week. Maybe he won't. Maybe he won't. It's it's tough. And when he does come back, who uh, who comes off the field? You know, is, is it going to go straight back to Richard Sherman and Emmanuel Mosley, who was back at practice in a limited fashion, who had missed the last two games with a concussion? So you have Emmanuel Mosley, who's coming back in a limited fashion. Keller Witherspoon's off the injury report. He's good. Jason Verrett has been in and has been playing well. So you have Jason Verrett. You have Richard Sherman when he comes back. We don't know when that's going to be. And then we have Emmanuel Mosley, who seems to be trending towards playing. So my assumption is that the 49ers would have it go back to what they started with, which is Richard Sherman and Emmanuel Mosley. But Jason Verrett has been playing very well. Could make for, for an interesting decision. We'll see. Um, defensive lineman DJ Jones, who had an eye injury. I think he got poked in the eye. Uh, he was a full participant. So was one James Garoppolo. Um, he's a full participant. The 49ers are putting through him, putting him through his paces this week, hoping that his ankle is better than it was last week. Because obviously Jimmy Garoppolo had his worst half of football he has had in his career uh, against the Dolphins through two interceptions. It it was bad. It was bad. But there was also, and this is not an excuse for Jimmy Garoppolo's performance whatsoever. But it was also very clear that he had zero zip on the ball. And Jimmy Garoppolo's never been like a super arm strength guy, but he has a super quick release, and he's good at getting the ball where it needs to be into tight spaces. It was super clear very early on in the game that his throws just were not anywhere near what they normally are. And like I said, he's never been known for arm strength, but this was this was worse. So... I'm sure the 49ers are hoping that that is a, you know, his ankle having another week to heal will remedy that issue. He'll want to put more weight on it because a quarterback, their, their throwing motion starts from their legs and their hips. You know, you have to plant, you have to get the start the torque with your legs and your hips. And then that all kind of like propels your upper body. There are free quarterbacks that just have an incredible arm and, and don't really need to do anything with their lower body to make throws. But one, that's not Jimmy Garoppolo, and two, that's not really how you teach quarterbacks to throw. So, you know, having a an ankle injury that normally, like somebody like Christian McCaffrey, who's going to take four to six weeks to heal from, Jimmy Garoppolo had like one and a half or however you want to kind of add that up. So we'll see. We'll see how that affects him. But he is a full participant, the 49ers. Uh, it looks like they plan to play him again. The benching against the Dolphins, obviously, was performance-based. Jimmy played horrible. But it wasn't the type of benching like we're moving on to somebody else. Things weren't working. He was not seeing the field. He was not, you know, he just, and and obviously his ankle, you know, I, I'm just, everything was going wrong for Jimmy. So they benched him. Went with uh, C.J. Beathard for the rest of the half and, you know, called it a day. But it was not one of those benchings where it's like, well, you know, we're going with CJ. So that's not how that really went down. So we'll see. Um, kind of a new interest injury development. Quan Alexander, uh, linebacker, 
veteran, suffered a high ankle sprain. And so he's going to be out for a while. For a linebacker, somebody that's constantly moving around on that ankle, much more than a quarterback would be, he'll be out for four to six weeks, uh, somewhere in there. And uh, Dre Greenlaw will be stepping in. Second year for Dre Greenlaw, obviously a very, very good player. Uh, He is kind of seen as the future at that position in replace of Alexander. Alexander has a pretty significant contract. Um, He's not... I mean, I could look how his contract is laid out. Uh, I I don't expect him. I don't expect him to be with the team next year. I, I'm just. I think he's the team is going to be so backed up against the salary cap. They can't. Let me look. 2021. Quan Alexander. He has a 16.5 million dollar cap number. You know, and if they pre June, if they cut him, they save 10 million, and they would. Uh, excuse me. They would ten million dollars of dead money, and they saved six million if they cut him after June. I don't know if this website's not uh, not updating, but it didn't change those numbers. So we'll see. Um, it just seems like you know, Quan Alexander, given the amount of money he's making, given the amount of contracts the 49ers are staring at in terms of players hitting free agency, might be one of the guys that have to go. I'm not reporting anything. It's just when you look at the amount of numbers or, and, and what they have to work with and which positions are essential and which positions have promising players behind them that could step in, Quan Alexander and the linebacker position will be right there towards the top. The money that they would or that they would save from cutting Quan Alexander is going to have to go to paying Fred Warner if they want to keep him around. Fred Warner this season has paid, played like one of the better linebackers in the NFL. Um so that's got to be something they're thinking about now. It's it's not going to be cheap. So I know I'm wandering a little off topic here, but the Quan Alexander situation with Dre Greenlaw is it's it's interesting. Okay, there's more to it than just Quan's out. See you in four to six weeks. Good luck, Dre Greenlaw. It's more to that. Uh, Dante Johnson is also out, backup corner. Um, nah, you know it's Dante Johnson. Make of that what you will. Make of that what you will. Okay. Let's get into the mailbag. Let's get into it. Let's do it right now. Let's do it now. Let's get into the mailbag. Here we go. I've got it right here. Now, usually, I wish that Twitter had a way of organizing your replies in chronological order. I wish that it did that because I would like to answer them in chronological order from front to back. You know, earliest to latest, if you will. But I can tell you, when I scroll all the way down, the first comment that shows up is by one Matthew Snyder, at Matthew Snyder 1. And he said, brace yourselves, that this show is better without Croc. That's my suggestion. That's what he said. Matthew, I don't know you. You may be an internet troll. You probably are. But I will not tolerate that type of slander in my mentions. If you would like to remain in my mentions and not be muted into oblivion to where everything you reply with is just basically talking to a brick wall, then you will not slander my number one stunner, my partner in crime, my strike and gold bestie, Crocker. Won't allow it to happen again. If it happens again, brick wall for you. Don't let it happen again. Crocker's my boy. He's the best thing about this podcast. I can't tell. I, I can't do it. Cannot play with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. 
Take it easy, Matthew. Anyways, we're moving on. Jet Tanner at Jet 10 SN. Do you think Atlanta would entertain a QB swap? Ryan for Garoppolo. Atlanta, maybe. 49ers, no. And I'll tell you why. And I'm going to wander my way over to the Atlanta's over the cap page, which kind of just monitors contracts. And right there at the top, let me click 2021, is one Matt Ryan, who next season has a $40 million cap number. $40 million. His dead money, if you were to cut him, which obviously no team would do, is $49 million. $40 million, they're projecting that the, the, the salary cap normally jumps up quite a bit every year. But with all the COVID stuff and the loss of revenues, they're projecting it's actually supposed to go down to somewhere around $170 million. That's almost one-fourth of the salary cap right there on Matt Ryan. I just, with they couldn't do it. With the amount of contracts that they're going to have to re-sign, Jimmy Garoppolo's cap number next season, and, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a Jimmy Garoppolo restructure, but his cap number is $26.9 million, which is still pretty high. I'm not even sure if it's top 10 anymore in terms of quarterbacks, but it's $26.9 million compared to 41, almost $41 million. They just they could not absorb that kind of cap hit right now with the amount of talent they have on the roster and players that need to be re-signed. I just could not see it happen. Now, to your defense, it would be a QB swap. So it would really be only adding the difference between the two caps, some $14 million. But still, it's going to come down to, to where every hundred of thousands of dollars matters with the 49ers and the contracts they have coming up. So I do not think the 49ers would entertain a QB swap between Matt Ryan and Jimmy Garoppolo. It's a good question, though. It's an interesting concept. Marvin Gibson, at Gibson Future CPA. Oh, I remember. I, Gibson's asked questions before. I remember the future, future CPA part. Is San Francisco working other people into other positions on the O-line to give folks a shot? No. No, not really. I mean, the, the offensive line obviously has not been outstanding. It's been one of the one, one of the worst position groups on the team. But that doesn't mean that they have other people that are ready to step in and do a better job. You have Ben Garland at center, Lake Tomlinson at Daniel Brunskill at either guard spot, and then Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey at the tackle spot. I mean, you have Justin School, who's a backup tackle. Could he do better than Daniel Brunskill at guard? I, I doubt it. I, but this is what the team does in the offseason. They watch guys compete. They watch guys practice. And if they and the best guys play. You know, there is some politics involved. And, you know, obviously somebody like Trent Williams, who you trade for, one, he's the best guy out there. But two, he's going to play. Daniel Brunskill is a former AAF player signed to the team on a one-year or, you know, limited contract. There's no politics with him. If he's playing, it's because he's the best the team has at that position. So there's not a whole lot of, you know, of flux that can happen along the offensive line to make it better. They just need to get better. And that includes communication. 
That includes, you know, uh, you know, their calls at the line, their coordination, they're identifying what the defenses are throwing at them. They've just been a group that doesn't look particularly well coached or particularly ready for whatever's been put on film for them to see. It's it's been a little weird. So, and also Marvin also attached to a second question. What's the trade value of Pennis, Spoon, Trent Taylor, Trent Williams, Tevin Coleman, Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, Contavious Street? I mean, shoot. Pettis, late rounder. I would, you know, fifth, sixth, somewhere in there, and you would be able to just tell a team, look, look at his rookie season. He was catching on. Uh, we just, you know, his personality just didn't mesh in the building. Um I think you'd have a better shot at him. I think that he still has value. Uh, Witherspoon, none. No trade value. I mean, he hasn't put enough on tape for a team to be super interested. He is on the last year of his contract. Don't see it. Trent Taylor, same, none. He's a late-round pick to begin with. Hasn't really done much in the league to warrant any team like kind of going after him. Trent Williams, probably still right around what the 49ers paid for him a third and a fifth, you know, maybe a little less just because that's how things work. But I would think somewhere around what the 49ers paid. Wouldn't want to get rid of them though. Tevin Coleman, oof, maybe a late rounder, maybe, maybe. For a team that's really hurting at running back, maybe. Nick Mullins, at one point I thought it was really high. Now I'd probably say mid-round pick, fourth rounder. C.J. Beathard. Maybe around less, somewhere in there. Contavious Street, uh, probably not a lot. He hasn't really done a whole lot for to make a team want to give up anything significant for him. Okay. Before we uh, before we continue on, before we continue on, let's get a quick word in from our other sponsors, and then we'll get right back to our mailbag episode. First, we've got Indeed, and even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed's here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed gives powerful tools to make sure your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners, Striking Gold, a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere, period. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offers valid through December 31st. And last but certainly not least, we've got Bet Online holding it down. The wait's over. Football's back. You not might not be out of game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
BetOnline's going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today, take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses, don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts. Mailbag. Mailbag, baby. Said it. Let's get after it. Still got plenty of questions. Plenty of questions. Okay. Let me let me re refine where I was. Here we go. We're at Scott Jeglum at King Jeglum. Hey King, do you think having such a reliable pass catching back is actually bad for the Niners' offense and Jimmy G? Feels a lot. Feels like it's a lot more dump offs and checkdowns instead of stretching the field with McKinnon being featured so much. No, I don't think so because you got to look at it from a different way. It's always best to have more options. Okay, it opens up the playbook, it adds versatility, and it makes the defense account for one more player. It makes them, you know, some some teams have running backs that when they run out for a pass, the defense just isn't all that concerned with them. They'll rally up and they'll make the tackle where they make the tackle. But you got somebody like Jarek McKinnon, obviously on another tier, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey. The pass catching back is is, is a brutally effective tool in the NFL. And I think the 49ers could even use it more. Now, to your point, yes, there are more checkdowns, but you just got to look at it in, in yards gained. Like in a normal game, like Miami, who absolutely torched San Francisco, their average gain was 6.9 yards per play. On these checkdown plays, where they, you know, depending on how the, the, the play develops, they usually pick up like five or six yards, which is you know, right there around the average gain. It's a positive gain. You can set yourself up for second and third and short, wherever you're at. So it's a very, very valuable tool. But should the 49ers push the ball down the field? Absolutely. You can't just sit there and check down all day. That's kind of what Drew Brees has started doing. But, I mean, his game, his last game um, was actually pretty good. You know, he was hitting guys. So I get your point. I get your question. But I would always just err on the side of versatility and options that open up the playbook and just create more stress on a defense. You know, if it was a if it's a running back that that couldn't catch passes, then the defense will just focus on everything else. So I I I think it's still it's still definitely a positive aspect. Especially when, you know, this this last game was the first time McKinnon hasn't scored in a game all season. Points are points, baby. Points are points. Give me them things. Um John Wittrado at Jay Wittrado, do you guys feel like there's some kind of turmoil in the locker room right now? Coaching staff players, guys like Sherman and Bosa not being there, seems to be taking a big hit in the energy of the team. Well, Sherman's still there. Bosa, I I don't think he's allowed to be there right now because they just want him at home healing up. Um, I know he was uh, staying with his brother Joey. Um, I don't think there's I don't think there's any turmoil in the locker room right now. I think they're fine. Um, I think that this team was kind of formed 
and, you know, forged, if you will, off of adversity and losing and hating it and, and, you know, working their way towards success. I don't think they would just after their, their awesome Super Bowl run last season. I don't think that, you know, going through some struggles again would necessarily spoil the team, if you will. I, I think they're fine. I mean, even though you did see things like Trent Williams and Lake and Tomlinson kind of getting at it. Trent Williams is new to the offense. He's making some mistakes, and they just got to work through it. They're adults. They're pros. They're good players. I don't see anything on this team where, you know, finger pointing or, you know, anything of that. I think I think that they'll be all right. I think that everybody kind of on this team kind of holds themselves accountable. I, I'm not ready to entertain new kind of kind of turbulence yet. I mean, it's, it's not – it's not necessarily – it's not an unrealistic question whatsoever. Could it happen? Absolutely. I just don't think we're there yet. I think the team's still kind of working through some, some, you know, some problems. All right. Richard McIntosh or McIntosh, MacDaddy6303. What do you think the possibility is of the Miami game being the kick in the ass? The team needs to turn things around. Some teams need that rock bottom game to get them fired up. Or are things too sideways already with the tough portion of the schedule coming up? No, I I, I think that the, that game could have very well been the, the kick in the ass that the team needs. The only problem is, is let's say that that Miami game was the kick in the ass the team needs, and it worked, and they got fired up, and they got their shit together, and they started you know practicing or, or playing the way they are. They still have such a brutal stretch of games coming up that it it may not seem that way. Now, now look, if the 49ers have some losses over the next 7 weeks, I think for the next for the rest of the season season, the 49ers have like the absolute hardest schedule in the NFL and it's not close. But I would just say if the team is competing, if they're competing against the Rams, if they're competing against the Patriots, if they're competing against the Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Rams, Bills, Obviously, yes, you want them to win those games. They need to win those games. They need to stay competitive and keep themselves in a playoff hunt. But what you want to see is 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 competing, or or I mean, or being on their own side of a blowout. But if they're not competing, if they're continuing to get beat down, just like they did by somebody like the Dolphins, who were a much better team than people were giving them credit for, by the way. We talked about that on the pod. They had played three good teams and went toe-to-toe with them respectfully. Um, So it's not like getting your ass kicked by the Dolphins was quite as much of an indictment as people say. Definitely should have been a game the 49ers won. Definitely wasn't supposed to go down like that. But they're playing against much better teams now. They have to compete. They've obviously got to win. But if they're going to lose, and that's like I said, if – they better be competitive or whatever the talk of the town is right now at quarterback, the O-line, wherever we have you, it's only going to get worse. And they're just lucky that they don't have fans in the stadium to boo at them. So to answer your question, Richard, I think the Miami game definitely could have been the, the kick in the ass the team needs. But will it result in wins? We'll see. A tough schedule. It could be, but they could still lose if that makes sense. But, you know, we'll see. Should the 49ers pursue, pursue Kamale Korea, linebacker, right? Um, I believe by the time I am reading this, I mean, you only asked this question two hours ago. 
but I believe he's already been picked up. Let me let me jump on. Let me confirm. Let me make sure. Okay. Let me see. So he requested a trade. Okay, here it is. Yeah, Mike Garofalo. The Titans are trading linebacker Kamale Correa to the Jaguars. He stays in the AFC South. Okay. So, yeah, he is, uh, he's not going anywhere. Or, excuse me, he's not going to the Niners. So, uh, I don't know much about him. I don't know if he would have been somebody worth pursuing. It's a good question. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But he ain't. he's not coming. He's headed out. Tim at two crazy mofos. So who is Dr. Evil? <laughs> well, we know who Dr. Evil is. And why did they come and steal all of the Niners mojo? But in all honesty, what's up with the offense? They're so out of sync and seem to be playing on their heels. A few big plays, sure, but overall, yikes. I mean, that is a that's a complicated question. What's up with the offense? It's a compilated compilated. It's a complicated question. To me, it always starts with the offensive line, just like it does on defense. For me, got it. The front has to be there, has to be playing well for in order for anything to work. And the, the the 49ers offensive line is not playing well. They're not run blocking well. They're not pass blocking well. In the past, they've been very good at, at run blocking and decent, mediocre at pass blocking. Now they're just bad at both. So you're starting out on the wrong foot. The receivers are young. No, I'm not even going to mention receivers. They're, I, I really don't have much to say about them, you know, other than the fact that they're they're probably good. They just haven't really had opportunities to shine as much as you would like because quarterback struggles, offensive line struggles, and, and the 49ers are still a running team, which they did pretty decently against the Dolphins. You just can't run when you're down by 20 points. So – it's tough. To me, it all falls down on the uh, quarterback and offensive line. Until we see solid play from both of those units, I think we will continue to ask the question, what's up with the offense? If you're seeing Jimmy Garoppolo stand back there with super clean pockets and he's still just missing every throw in the book, throwing interceptions, then you know, then now we've got a new talking point. But there's just been too much going on back there. I did see a few things getting thrown around saying the 40 or Jimmy Garoppolo and, and the 49ers quarterbacks have had clean pockets. I don't know about that. I mean, sure, there have been some, but it, it seems like there's always something going on back there. So to me, it all falls down on that offensive line, all falls on that quarterback. And the 49ers offense is, even when it comes to the run game, there has to be a respectable pass thrower back there. Otherwise, the the run game's just gonna the defense is just gonna focus on that, and not even that's gonna work great. So we've got to get that offensive line rolling. We've got to get them quarterbacks playing, and then everything will come together. All right, we've got Andy T coming in with our next question at Andy Ukray. When will Shanahan open up the offense? He is not adapting to his situation. Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel can clearly take it to the house. Go deep. We are stro restricted to 10 yards or less. Frustrating. I understand the run, run, run philosophy, but damn, this isn't last year. I can understand that to an extent, but you got to realize, like, how often have the have the 49ers even had a chance to take, like, a five-step stop drop and just let it sling it? Like, 
the the offensive line can't block. I mean, you saw it on, you know, when it was C.J. Beathard trying to win that that game against the Eagles. They were moving down the field and, and they got they got like the ten or fifteen yarders pretty easily. You know, obviously the Eagles were playing like a prevent defense, but once it came time with the time expiring down, where C.J. Beathard had to take a real drop back, he was instantly pressured. You know, it's just. I don't know. You know, it, it, I I can't tell you when Shanahan's going to open up the offense. Ayuk and Debo Samuel can take it to the house, but they're not necessarily deep threats. They're not four three speed guys. Ayuk could be because he kind of tested with with a core injury, but they're guys that you want to get the ball in space in an advantageous situation, and they're going to make guys miss and they're going to score. It's like a deep play but it's not thrown through the air. You know what I mean? Like, you're still resulting in big yards, but it's not a big rainbow pass. It's a, you know, kind of like that touchdown Ayuk had on that that quick pass. I mean, he took that for 20 yards and a touchdown, but it, it, it won't – it's not a deep pass. So Shanahan has his own unique way of running the offense. Do I feel like they should be taking more deep shots? Yes, absolutely. Do they have like a pure speed guy? No, but that doesn't mean that Ayuk and Debo can't beat guys deep. It's just, it's a combination of things. It's not kind of where Shanahan's offense leans. Yes, he does like to run, but it's also just not something the offensive line has the luxury of doing that much right now. If they can work to get down their pass protection, pass protections and, you know, that stuff, then I think we will see that more often. But I'm still not that often, you know, like that's just not how the 49ers gain their yards. It's tough. It's tough. I mean, if Shanahan feels like him throwing deep shots is just going to result in an incompletion, then he just doesn't have too much of an incentive to do it. You know, it's 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 somewhere in the middle. It's somewhere in the middle. I do believe that the 49ers should take more deep shots, but, you know, it's just tough. Stuff with the in the current state of the offense. Niners rule at rule Niners. <laughs> Do you think the Niners need to take some responsibilities off of Shannon's plate? He's a head coach, OC, and semi GM. I think adding another offensive mind in the mix can really help Shannon and the team. I don't. Not when it comes to the offense. The offense is his specialty. He's one of, if not the best play car in the league. He's just working with what he's got right now. And Mike McDaniel, the run game coordinator, and the other McDaniel, the pass game coordinator. They are, they are like what you were talking about bringing in. They are kind of those those additional offensive minds that you're looking for. They have a uh, Mike McDaniel, or excuse me, it was Mike Lafleur. I I I'm, <laughs> I got confused. I said the two McDaniel's. It's the two Mikes. Mike Lafleur is the passing game coordinator, and Mike McDaniel is the run game coordinator. Mike McDaniel is going to be somebody that gets head coach consideration. He's that well respected in, as far as the 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 influence he has on the offense. Mike Lafleur is the pass game coordinator. They together with Shanahan, they kind of create the offense. Kyle Shanahan is the number one stunner, though. Like I like to say, he's one of the best offensive minds in football. When we when he had healthy when he had a healthy team when he had somebody like the 2016 Falcons, yes, they managed to lose the Super Bowl. 
but they broke records in the in the process, offensive records. You don't want to mess with that. Now, has Shanahan shown that he is an effective scout on the GM side of things? That could be debated. That could be debated. If he if it was his decision to trade up for Pettis, you know, like um there on that side of things, maybe they need to look at but uh, I, Shanahan is such a confident guy. He believes in himself. I, I don't see him or his contract allowing for reduction in responsibilities. But it's definitely something to consider. Tag him and bag him. At tag him, tagged him and bagged him. It's like his name is is like future tense or present tense. And then his handle is past tense. Tag him and bag him. Tagged him and bag him. Why does it seem like they hide so much about the goings on in the or- goings on in the organization? Seems like we get a lot of delayed updates with player health, vague inconsistent responses. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree with that. Because if there's one thing I've always been impressed with with at the very least Kyle Shanahan is his bluntness and his honesty. I'm I'm not sure if I'm just not sure I'm, I'm with you on that one, tag him and bag him. I don't, I don't necessarily – I think that Kyle Shannon's a pretty honest dude. I think they're usually pretty up-to-date on player health. Maybe if if they're not very clear on it, then maybe things aren't clear to them yet. I mean, and, and they prefer to say what they can say rather than waiting to say anything. I don't know. I, I, maybe if you, if you show me some examples of what you feel are vague and inconsistent responses in regards to any topic or delayed – player health updates. I just, I feel, I've always felt like Kyle Shanahan's kind of blunt and honest. So not sure I'm quite there with you. No name at Fisher mean, uh, however you would say that as a person, which QB in the upcoming 2020 draft class would fit the best in Kyle Shanahan's offense. You know, I haven't done my, I haven't done my, my, especially during the middle of the season. I'm really not paying attention to, College quarterbacks. Yes, they are playing, but I've got to focus on the Niners, talking Niners, podding about the Niners, um, and in the past, writing about the Niners. So it's hard for me to say that. Now, I do know that Crocker is a big fan of um, Mac, the quarterback out of Alabama. Um, I think I, when I said Alabama, I kind of said it like I was from Alabama. That was a little weird. Alabama. But I, I encourage you to go to his his Twitter, check out that thread. He actually broke down all of the quarter college quarterbacks recently, or at least the top ones. It's very interesting. The one thing I would like to see, though, is I would like to see Kyle Shanahan, if the 49ers are interested in new quarterbacks, I would like to see him go the direction of a more mobile, more dynamic quarterback. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan has his offense. He, you know, it's very West Coast-ish, timing-based, getting the ball out on time, letting the play do the work for you. But I'd like to see him try and integrate a mobile quarterback into his offense because I know he could do it. I know he'd be good at it. And you, we're watching how mobile quarterbacks are still just dominating this game. Um, they obviously have to be competent throwers and have great arms and be able to, you know, to hit their man. But we're, we're watching it. Get up, get up on it. Get on the train. Domo arigato, Mr. Renato, at Renato Paniagua. Pen- I hope I said that right. Paniagua? Pene- I don't know. I'm sorry. Do you think that Joe Staley leaving made much more of an impact than we thought? Our line is mostly healthy, and it's maddening to see them play so poorly. Thanks again. Love the show. I love you. 
Thanks for the, the, the kind words. That's tough to say. You know, I, uh, people covering the team, no matter how much of an insider we are, and I'm not saying me myself, but like, let's say Matt Mayoko, kind of the more, the most connected 49ers writer in the building. He's still not in the, in meetings and he's still not in the locker rooms at the ends of practices and stuff. It's hard to, to know what kind of an impact somebody like Joe Staley had, like even the intangible impacts. It's hard to know. I think it's fair to say that they're, that it's definitely made an impact. He's, he's one of the, you know, he's a, he's a premier offensive lineman, borderline hall of famer. Someone like that leaving has to have an impact. We just don't know how much. I know that Trent Williams is a veteran. He's still kind of finding his feet with the 49ers and in this offense. I, I think that the 49ers offense can still, offensive line can still thrive without Joe Staley. But they're just going to need some time to build up that chemistry, especially on the left side with uh, Trent Williams and Lincoln Tomlinson. Jet McKinnon, comeback player of the year, Sepoy Jet. At Sepoy Jet, hypothetically speaking, if Jimmy G and the Niners continue to struggle and they get a pick in the top half of the draft, is it corner, interior, O-line, or quarterback? Got to be QB right. I think they would they would do plenty of scouting on quarterbacks. They'd look at their trade-up options. Um, I do think corner and O-line would be the other needs, the other kind of direction that they would be getting pulled. I think they would definitely look into quarterbacks, absolutely, especially when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo's contract next year. Uh, I think only like two million of it, or something, out of twenty six million, is is like dead, dead space. They could save like all of it. So there's going to be a temptation there to scout cornerbacks to look for another option. It could definitely happen. It could definitely happen if 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 there was a quarterback within striking distance that they loved, then I think that's the then I think that is that's got to be the pick. I think that they're. They're going to look into it, but I don't think they're going to force it. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Terrence Epps, Terrence Epps, at Terrence Epps. What's going on, fellas? What's going on, Terrence? My question for this week is, I love seeing things like that. My question for this week is, somebody who's asked multiple questions, that's sticking around, coming by for the questions, loyal, loyal readers. I, I, I just appreciate it. I appreciate it. What are the plans for Dante Pettis? I would really love to see this kid flourish under Shanny. But there seems to be some sort of disconnect between him and the coaching staff. Are his days in SF numbered? I believe so, yes, which is disappointing because, like you said, I mean, you want to see him flourish. You have seen him flourish a little bit. Shanahan liked what he saw. They traded up to get him. It's just, why? What happened, you know? And I'm, I'm, I'm still calling bullshit on any narrative that blames Kyle Shanahan for Dante Pettis' struggles, like Kyle Shanahan was some bully head coach that didn't know how to handle this one player. I'm not on. I'm not on that train. I'm not there. It's not. I'm not doing it. I just think something didn't click, and maybe Dante Pettis doesn't like football that much. Maybe he doesn't like Kyle Shanahan. Maybe he just doesn't like it in San Francisco. Maybe he would do better on another team. Maybe he wouldn't. Maybe he would just kind of fade away. You know, sometimes they don't work out. That's just the nature of scouting. Um, I don't think the 49ers have really any plans for him. Kyle Shanahan even said recently, like, look, we kind of had him back there at, at returner, but we have other guys that can do that, and we went another direction. So, like, Kyle Shanahan, somebody who broke that record in college. No, excuse me, Dante Pettis. <laughs> somebody that broke that re- record in college. They can't even find love for him there, too. 
So it just seems like they've, (laughs) for lack of a better term, they've fallen all the way out of love. And I don't, I don't see, I think, yes, I think his days are numbered. Alfonso Valdez at Gonzo 7V was benching Jimmy G to protect him, quote unquote, a slight to the offensive line, a way to call them out without directly doing it. Like, I don't trust these guys to protect Jimmy. (laughs) Yes and no. I do believe a, a part of why he was pulled was to protect him. He was obviously playing very bad. Um, but yes, I do feel like the offensive line should take some accountability. Jimmy Garoppolo's now, even when Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have a sprained ankle, he played bad in the first game, but Jimmy Garoppolo was getting pushed around in that game too. And against the jets, when he got hurt, he was constantly being hit. Even when he was playing on it, he was just constantly being hit. So I do feel like they should take some responsibility for what's happened to Garoppolo. The, the San Francisco 49ers have allowed like the second most quarterback hits in the NFL. Second most. And I know they're not far off from first, like three or four. They have not been good at protecting any quarterbacks. So yes, if, if Jimmy being pulled was truly to protect him, then yes, the offensive line should be offended. And yes, they should get their shit together. Um, but Jimmy, I, I'm like I said, I'm not prepared to to give Jimmy Garoppolo the full benefit of the doubt. I still feel like he's playing bad football and needs to uh, needs to pick it up himself. Luke underscore Shanahan forty nine at Sean Luke fifteen. The Rams game seems like a must win game. If the Rams run over the 49ers, does someone get fired, or does this spark some kind of big move for the trade deadline? I do feel like the 49ers are in must-win game territory if they want to, especially within the division, if they want to have any shot at a playoff, even with the expanded playoffs, they have to win division games. If the Rams run over the 49ers, then you're just, you know, if they get run over by the Dolphins, they get run over by, you know, they lose to the Eagles, they get run over by the Dolphins, then they get run over by the Rams, then you just have what I think people are going to be accepting as a bottom-tier team. I, th- I think that's it, and and I don't necessarily know if if people are going to start becoming scapegoat goats, scapegoats, scapegoats, and being fired. I don't know if we're quite there yet, but that's what happens. That's what happens at this point, especially when you've come from a Super Bowl. But there's just been so many injuries, especially on the defense, to at different positions, rotating players at different positions. It's just been brutal. So I think people are going to be given the benefit of the doubt as far as firing goes. I don't know about the trade deadline. It depends. Like I said, the 49ers are so backed up when it comes to salary cap and contracts. You know, it just depends on their long-term plan. Are there players out there the 49ers going to be interested in? Absolutely. It's just going to have to be the absolute right situation for them to do it, afford it, not give up draft capital, you know, all those different things. Um, Josh, hashtag revenge tour, hashtag BLM. At Sharks, Josh, what do the 49ers have to do to not become the Jacksonville Jaguars after their AFC Championship run in 2017? To me, the answer is simple. Even with a hobbled defense, the 49ers need good offensive line play and they need good quarterback play. That's the only thing that I would like to see take a decidedly you know, obvious step forward. The defense was horrible against the Jaguars, but a lot of that came down to trotting out a practice squad corner, getting down early, and then just kind of it's snowballing out of control. I still, even without Nick Bosa, you know, you get some healthier corners in there. I think the defense will still be solid. 
to me, it all revolves. Get that offensive line right, whatever you got to do, and get Jimmy Garoppolo, get him some confidence. Whatever that means, get him some confidence, and I feel like that will keep them from becoming the the what happened to the Jags. Any offensive lineman out there worth training for? Asked by Frank Perez at Batman24559. Are you from 559? Are you from Fresno? What up, Leia? Anyways. Uh, you know, that's a tough question. I, I obviously am not going to say I've done any sort of research that extensive targeting offensive linemen, which isn't really a position I kind of studied in the past. I would say this, though. It, it's just rare that trades like that come about because, you know, it, we're in the middle of the season, and any team with a good offensive lineman isn't really going to be eager to get rid of him. If he's that good, he's playing for their team. If he's not playing for their team, then he's not that good. Probably wouldn't be an upgrade anywhere for the 49ers. So I'm not sure. There's definitely great linemen out there. I just don't think the 49ers are going to be able to pry them away from their teams. And if they were able to, it would have a ridiculous cost. So it's just, they're just in a tough spot right now. They can't be making any huge moves without some serious repercussions as far as who they're willing to let go. Last question of the evening is by Jeremy Milibus. Milibus? Milibus? Hopefully I got it. Malabus. Hopefully I got one of those right. At jmail53, do you know if any players listen to your podcast? Um, I will say yes. Yes. I know they do. I know. I know. I've had a few talk to me about it. <laughs> I don't want to get. Uh... Yes. The answer is yes. And I've had discussions with players. If you follow me on Twitter, you probably know which players I routinely interact with and which one, you know. And you would that would be willing to kind of clue you into who you know listens to the podcast. Now I will say this: at one point during the off season, kind of when it came to uh, contract talks, I was kind of critical of of a move a player decided to do, and I knew this player well for the most part personally, and he did give me a call and. Uh, kind of like, not argue with me. He wasn't mad. He just kind of gave me shit. Like, you know, like, hey, man, like, what are you talking about? And we kind of, we, we talked for like 20 minutes uh, kind of all around this whole situation. And it was a very pleasant conversation. He wasn't like calling to call me out. He was just calling me to give me shit. Because, you know, when I talk to you guys about this stuff, even if it's a player that I know personally or, or have some type of connection to, I'm, I'm still going to give it to you straight. Even if that doesn't necessarily support what you know what that player would consider positive so i'm always going to give it to you straight so i had to break down this situation in positive and negative lights how it would make sense you know how what what this player was doing it made sense and how what how it didn't so i kind of broke it down both ways and he called me to, to give me some shit laugh about it and then we just had a conversation about it being real and what the real motives were and, and stuff like that but so yes players do listen to the strike and gold podcast i uh, promise you that um, I don't know how many it is, but I know there are some, but anyways, it's a good question to end on. That's it. That's our mailbag. I hope you guys, looks, listen, Eric Crocker is my right hand man. I love that guy. I don't like jumping on here without him, but I also didn't want to just keep putting off episodes and, and, and pushing you guys off just because Croc wasn't able to be here. Um, he will be back on here tomorrow. Um, for you guys, that'll be Friday morning with our game preview against the Rams. 
Um, he will be back. I appreciate you guys sticking around um, and listening to just my voice, Kermit-esque, Ray Romano-esque voice for the duration of this podcast. Um, your support, like I've always said, means the world. We would not be able to do this without you guys. So remember, if you don't already have one, make a Twitter account. Follow us. Get in on these mailbag questions. Even if I would have had 10 more mailbag questions, I would have still been – we would have got them all. We're going to get to them all. Might mean that we need to shorten our answers up a little bit, but we're going to get to your questions. So if you're not already on Twitter asking these questions, get on Twitter and ask us these questions. Be a part of this episode, okay? I love you. I want you here. I want to hear you. I want to hear what you have to say. But that's it for this week. Looking forward to talking uh, 49ers versus Rams tomorrow. And, um, again, appreciate you guys. But for another episode, this is Striking Gold signing out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.